welcome to the 28 Dales Later podcast. My name's Steve Wharton. Together with Natalie Wilson and Johnny Campbell, plus a few other guest presenters that we've got lined up, we'll be embarking on a journey around the north of England, celebrating its landscape, nature and heritage. How do you define the north of England? Geographically, is it the northern part of England or is it a place that lies to the north of that place that is called England? Historically, it's been both. I'm at Bradford Town Hall, looking up at statues of monarchs from William the Conqueror to Queen Victoria, all standing between the second floor windows surveying Centenary Square, not far from the IMAX and Alhambra Theatre. But even these kings and queens, famous or fading into obscurity, don't answer our question. For that, we need to delve further back in time and take a trip further north. Whilst we travel up there, here's a quick history lesson. When the Roman Empire quit Britain in the early 5th century, the Romano-British did their best to preserve civilised life, but it was inevitable that a lack of income from the Roman soldiers and the power vacuum they left behind spawned wars between regional tribes. By 450 AD, Angles and Saxons were the main Germanic tribes who had started to migrate across the North Sea, taking land and pushing native Britons west. Wessex and Mercia became the dominant kingdoms in southern Britain. Above the River Humber, Anglian settlers eventually combined two smaller kingdoms to form Northumbria, which initially ruled land east of the Pennines, from Bamborough down to Hull. By 700 AD, they held power over Welsh-speaking Britonic kingdoms to the west, such as Reged and Elmet, modern-day Cumbria and West Yorkshire, which extended Northumbria's border to the Irish Sea, from Stranraer down to Liverpool. The area flourished, due also to visiting monks from Ireland, who brought the skills of literacy and distilling. But no one was prepared for the next wave of invaders, who first attacked Lindisfarne in 793 AD. According to the Anglo-Saxon chronicles, In this year, fierce foreboding omens came over the land of the Northumbrians, and the wretched people shook. There were excessive whirlwinds, lightning, and fiery dragons were seen flying in the sky. These signs were followed by a great famine, and a little after those, the ravaging of wretched heathen men destroyed God's church at Lindisfarne. The Vikings had landed. Sixty years later, those small raiding parties formed into the great heathen army, land-hungry Danes intent on conquering the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. When only Wessex remained, Alfred the Great brokered a peace which led to the majority of the North coming under control of the Danish. North Irish settlers, freshly booted out of Dublin, settled in the Northwest, and the Scandinavian legacy is plain to see and hear in our everyday language. In the 10th century, the Kingdom of Wessex was in the ascendancy once more. King Athelstan consolidated Wessex with Mercia, and took advantage of disputes between the northern kings to assert his authority. In 927 AD, he called the kings of Wales, the Scots, Strathclyde and Bamburgh to Amont Bridge, just south of modern-day Penrith, in order for them to bow down to him as their overlord. The 12th of July, 927, is seen as the birth date of England, 
but perhaps more importantly, it was the first time that the area north of the Mersey and Humber rivers came under the rule of a southern king. Despite their differences, the Britons, Angles, Danes and Norsemen on either side of the Pennines, who had eked out livelihoods in this harsh landscape for centuries, were now defined as a single group. In contrast to their southern ruler, they had become Northern English. I've just parked up at the lay-by in Amont Bridge opposite King Arthur's Round Table, a raised earthwork some 40 to 50 metres across. I'll just go and have a look at it now. And the first impressions are that it's, it's less of a sacred place than I first imagined it might be, given that it used to have standing stones in the middle and uh, reported druidical practices taking place. In fact, what I've read recently is that it was probably used for wrestling matches. And looking around at the raised banks around a circular mound, it's ideal. You know, it'd be a great place to watch grown men throw each other around. My son's here running up and down the bankings, which would have been a part of it too. You know, the whole family would have been here. There's a couple of pubs over the road. I'm sure there would have been some kind of hostelry predating them. And it's at the junction of a couple of roads. So it's the ideal place to have some kind of event. Aye, I'd come here for a night out. The other thought that occurs to me as I'm standing here is that if Athelstan did come here to make the Northern Kings bend their knees for him so he could assume dominance and extend the boundaries of England, then of course he'd want to do it in public. He'd want lots of people to witness those kings bowing down. This might not have been the right place for it though. I've got a sneaky feeling that Maybra Henge, which is 400 metres to the west, might have been more suited to his aims. So I'm going to go and have a look at that now. I've just got to Maybra Henge. I'm just on the outskirts of it. Through the gate past where all the, the lazy cows were gathered earlier put me off coming in and not very far from the M6 like literally just a, a few dozen meters away from the, the southbound carriageway so we're going up the banking and there's big gashes in the side of the banking I can see lots of stones like roundish about five to six inches across each of them apparently these were taken from the river and up onto the top. Oh yes. Oh, this is impressive. So I'm, I'm looking at a a raised circular banking around a, a central amphitheatre, and there's trees growing on the edges of the banking now. It's probably about oh, three, yeah, three four hundred metres across. Slap bang in the middle is a good big stone. Must be about. Must be about 10 foot high and I'd say I don't know it's got a fair girth to it oh yeah yeah if you were coming here and you wanted to find the Wembley the local Wembley of the region then and this is it you can imagine Athelstan making all of them all of them kings bow down to him here and it'd be a, a fair event
I only found out about this place when I started researching this episode, and I'm glad I did. So, put that in your notepads. Maybra Henge, Amont Bridge, just south of Penrith. Well worth a visit. I'm back in West Yorkshire now to wrap up this episode. Enjoying the gardens around Shibden Hall, former home of Anne Lister, the famed diarist about whom the BBC made their drama Gentleman Jack. Now there's a small corner of the park given over to a permanent display of dry stone walling. And as I walk in, there are two impressive cairns towering either side of me. On the right, there's a sheepfold with a central standing stone. And there's other examples of stone wall features too. Through stone steps and seats, stiles, smoots and bee bowls. But my attention is drawn to the wall that runs around this display. And in particular, the points where the styles of dry stone wall merge from one to another. Like here. Sharp, brittle, irregular Yordale limestone. As you'll find around Malham Cove or Upper Wharfdale. Butts up against a slab fence of bedded sandstone. Typical of West Yorkshire. Following it round. Millstone grit of various sizes that will be familiar to anyone who's traced walls along the fields and moors of Airedale and, and Worth Valley. Blends into the tighter more regular courses of a Laban wall. And this is just a snapshot of local style. But I wonder, is there a more potent symbol for the north of England than this? A dry stone wall, flowing, changing, segueing from region to region, showing the character of each area through the very rock its people walk on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the 28 Dales Later podcast. We'll release a new one each week, and you can also find our blogs and photographs on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash 28 Dales Later.